0: Okay, Boker told the morning. The Ine Yermiau Hayamit Onen Alroa Benedoro. He says, We find a Yermiau and Abbey was lamenting. He was, uh, he was down. He was upset. He had complaints on the people in this generation that they were doing bad. What was the problem with the people in this generation? What was upsetting him? He says, Benega hamida azot. The word nega means an affliction, some sort of sickness. He says because his generation, they had a sickness. Which sickness? The one that we've been learning about the last few years, few months. What is that sickness? Shehayu malimim enem simply they were not paying attention to what they were doing they wouldn't they weren't paying attention to see what it is that they're doing what their meaning is Are they things that they should be doing? If there are things they should not be doing, they simply weren't thinking. And he said about them, the Pasuk in Yirmiya says, Which means that people didn't even feel regret for the wrong that they did. They didn't even feel bad about it. Lemur says, why? Why? How come they didn't feel bad about what they were doing? He says, Kula, the Pasuk says, Kula means all of them. Or maybe Kula, all of the person. Shav bimrut satam. The word, merut satam means they're always on the run. Shav means Again and again and again, they're always running. Kesus, like a horse, shotef ba like a horse that is charging in the war. He explains, "Vehainu, what does he mean to say? They were running and going. Which means they were running in their normal habits and their ways. They were very busy doing whatever they were used to do. Which means they didn't leave Space. They didn't leave time for themselves. <inaudible> to be careful with their actions and their ways. Again, he keeps doing that throughout this chapter. We saw two sections. There's your actions before you do something. Should I do that? Should I not do that? And then there's your general outlook on life. Your derech. They didn't give themselves the time to think. So they ended up falling in bed without even seeing the bed. Let's try to understand what the Mesilayah Sharim is saying over here. He's bringing as a proof. From a great person in a great generation, these were great people. These were not the people that were what you imagined when he says people doing bad. You know, in today's world, we have a generation. It's a melting pot of the secular Jew, the irreligious Jew, the modern Jew, the conservative Jew, the Reformed Jew. It's so all different kinds of Jews. And we got to the mindset, like we got used to it, that there's just a lot of different Jews out there. So when people see you, they say, oh, So what kind of Jew are you? Are you a Jew? Are you. Well, what are you? But you have to know that this is a very new reality in Am Yisrael. Is a very new reality that a Jew has a description attached to his name for thousands of years. A Jew is a Jew, you're a Jew, there's no such thing as what kind of Jew. The best example I can give you is even a recent example, which I was a part of, and some of you as well. If you look in Halab, in Syria, that's a very good model of what Jews you were for thousands of years. What I mean, I don't mean to say that every Jew was a big tzaddik. I don't say everybody in Halab was a righteous person. But if you looked at the entire community, you would not see somebody Mehalil Shabbat in the open. Everybody went to shul. There was a basic understanding that you're a Jew a Jew in Halab to marry a Goya or go out. It was unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, some exceptions over the years. They remember the one guy this guy this But it was a community that there was no question what kind of Jew you are. You're a Jew. Some people were lax in their observance and usually privately, not not in the open. They didn't walk around openly doing things wrong. They fit in the community. That's the way the Jewish community was for thousands of years. Even when you read the Navi, Sometimes people read the Navi and they have a complete misunderstanding of the whole purpose of Navi. They read the Navi and they see the people worshiped idols. So they walk away with that and say, Oh, look how good we are. Do you worship idols? I don't worship idols. I don't bow down to stones. I don't do those things. Thank God. The Jewish people have really upgraded in recent years that we don't do those kinds of sins anymore. Those people a few thousand years ago were really bad people. They did a lot of bad things. Because in your mind, you're thinking, if they worshipped idols, did they keep Shabbat? Of course not. If they worshipped idols, did they eat kosher? Of course not. My dear friends, that's a terrible mistake. When it says they worshipped idols, it meant just that. Could you imagine an idol worshipper and he's keeping Shabbat? We don't see Yirmiya say, guys, you don't keep Shabbat? Why was the Beit HaMikdash destroyed? Abu Doesn't say Shabbat. That means every Jew kept Shabbat. You could eat in every Jewish home. No problem. You don't have to have a mashgiyah. Every Jewish home was a stamp of kashrut. But, but, first of all, when it comes to Abu Dazara, very important to know this. Very important to understand the whole concept. Because if you don't understand this, you walk away from the book of the navi. It's supposed to give you Musar and help you. You walk away thinking you're better than you started. You open the book looking for help and all you found is that people are worse than you. Because in your mind you're imagining, you know, everybody imagines the world based on what they saw. The book of uh, uh, Navi doesn't come with pictures. And the only things we understand are pictures. When we read something, we don't understand text. When we read something, notice when you read something what happens. Your mind, what it does, is it takes the words and makes pictures so that you understand it. We don't understand words. We understand pictures. We translate words into pictures. The problem is if you live in the world that you live in, you live in America in 2023, and someone says something, for example, the Fasuk says, that Yaakov kissed Rahel when he met her. So, When you see that pasuk, right? Already you have your own imagination of what that means. And you come out saying, oh my goodness. Can't believe it. Meanwhile, it's not what you imagined. Yaakov gave a friendly certain type of kiss. But you in your imagination, because you live in a sick world... And you're part of it, so when you see that word, automatically you're imagining scenes. You understand? But that's one of the big dangers of reading and not understanding who you're talking about and understanding the time period that you're talking about. You have to be aware of this terrible, terrible mistake that we can make where we put our Selves and our surroundings in the words that we're reading. Not knowing whatsoever what is their reality. We put our reality in their words. You got to be very careful when you read stories in Tanakh. To make sure you understand, first of all, who you're talking about. And what kind of people they were. And what was their situation. Don't put yourself in in their box. You have to know when it comes to idol worship, number one, we should not be so proud that we don't serve idols. That's not something that we can take a lot of credit for. Idol worship was a major, major obstacle, yetzirah, temptation for people it was the opposite. From the temptation, you see how great they were. Because their temptations were spiritual. Even their temptation was of a high caliber. Their temptation was about purpose. It was about why are we living? It was about a higher purpose, a higher power. It was a spiritual desire that they had. You have to know a very well-known Gemara that says that the the men of great assembly, a body of great, great rabbis, some of them were prophets. We don't have prophets today. Anyone who tells you today is a prophet, so you know he's not a prophet. There people like to act like prophets. You know those guys? Especially if you have money. <laughs> Their prophecy usually comes true if you have money. You know people like that? No? They're prophets. And you could tell them that prophecy ended a few thousand years ago. So someone who tells you they're a prophet or they talk like they're a prophet so already you know he's a shakran. Stay away from him. Okay, i uh, Stay away from those people. <laughs> Make sure no one should be missed. This guy mean, is. Raymond, you know people like that? They come and tell you the future. They read your palm. They read your head. Yeah. They say, they look at your head. They say, oh wow. Do you have an anger problem? And then you say, oh my goodness. How did he know? Are you having troubles with your wife? Unbelievable. The guy really has Ruach HaKodesh. It's unbelievable. I can make a lot of money being a prophet. Do You know, oh, you, worry, you worry about things. Oh my goodness. How do you know? By the way, even in the time of the real prophets, they were false prophets. Because false prophets is a very intriguing business. Because you can get people to attach themselves to you. Obviously, a lot of money is involved in this. And the nice thing about the false prophet, as opposed to the real prophet, is he always tells you what you like to hear. He tells you, you you're a big tzaddik. It's no one like you. Can't believe the things that you're involved in. He makes you a dinner in your honor because you's just special, man. Those are the false prophets. The real prophets, they look at you and say, oh my goodness, you're a bigger rasha than I thought. Wait, do you pray? That's called praying? Do you see yourself when you pray? You keep Shabbat? That's called keeping Shabbat? Now, who would you like listening to? The guy who tells you how awesome you are? Or the guy who tells you how horrible you are? Well, that was the big test of people in the time of Yirmiyahu wa Nabi. Yirmiyahu and Navi would tell you straight. The prophets, they spoke a language that was very direct. A language we couldn't handle. If today our rabbis spoke like the prophets spoke, like Yeshaya and Yirmiyahu, they wouldn't have a job. People cannot hear words of truth. Today, even if you tell someone the truth about them, you have to go in so many circles And by the time you get to the truth, you forgot what you wanted to tell them. You have to circle here, and by the way, what a great father you are, and you're the best husband, and there's no one, and the way you you do, and the way like that. And then sometime, maybe you could throw in once in a while, and even then they'll get upset. So Rabbi, I just want to tell you, you hurt me today. I've been complimenting you for two months. Finally, I told you something. Yeah, I got, I got, I got a little offended. I didn't, I didn't get upset with you, but I'm offended. You know what offended means? He's upset with you. What's it mean? So the Gemara says that in the time, this is going back about twenty-five hundred years. In the time of the Anshe there was a terrible epidemic amongst the Jewish people. It wasn't uh, Shmirat Shabbat that wasn't the problem. People kept Shabbat keilchata. It wasn't kashrut. It wasn't many of the things that we struggle with today. It wasn't that it wasn't they weren't praying. It wasn't they weren't bringing korbanot. It wasn't that. They were a tremendous, tremendous problem with idol worship. They would serve idol, which means they would bring sacrifices. There was the idol of the sun. The sun had a certain blessing that they idol worship believes in different powers in the world. There's the power of the sun, there's the power of the moon, there's the power of the trees, there's the power of this. And it was a very big problem that they would bring sacrifices or they would serve the idol each one according to what it says, what it's supposed to be. And people were doing terrible, terrible sins because of that. So the Ansheikidullah they decided they're going to make a special request altogether to the creator of the world that this is too strong the desire is too big, and we need to take away the desire. Now, you might tell me, What do you mean? How do you take away desire? Desires are desires. But you know that's not true. Desires are the most miraculous. Or if you want to see the fingerprints of the Creator, just look at how people desire and don't desire, and you'll see how. Hashem is the one who gave you the desires. Don't think desires are automatic. The most simple example I can give you is that you have a man who desires a woman. But what about his own sister? A beautiful young lady who everybody else in the world desires. He has zero interest in his sister. Zero interest in his mother. Why? Why? How come a person has no interest in his daughter? Answer is that Hashem is the one who puts desires in you. Desires aren't like things that are part of who you are. Hashem is the one who puts desires. He puts it when it's good, when he wants, when it's right, and takes it away if it's not. It's just the reality. Desires are creations of God. So if there are people who desire idol worship, it is something that the Creator planted in their mind. So the Anshe Knesset HaGedolah, they got together and they begged and pleaded that this desire is destroying the Jewish people. again, People were keeping Shabbat, but they would serve idols. They saw in the idols some benefit. They saw something they can gain from serving the idol. So so it was hard for them. That was the world then. And they were successful. It says in the Gemara, they were successful. And people no longer desired idol worship. It's great. The Gemara says that they said, wow, what a, what a great item. Let's abolish the other big problem that we have. There were two major desires they were falling to. One was idol worship and was arayot, ladies, women, all types of desires. So they said, if we can get rid of that one too, then people would be righteous. You understand? You know, if you take an average Jew today and say, how many changes you have to make in his life to make him righteous? Probably about a thousand things he has to change. How many things would you have to change to be a tzaddik that Yirmiyahu and Nabi will look at you and say, you are a tzaddik. How many different things you have to change? Hundreds? Thousands? The way you speak, the way you do But in those days they had two issues they said if we can get rid of this issue everybody would be perfect and they got rid of that too but then there were problems people not getting married nobody had interest to stay with their wife nobody's having children so that one was brought back i want to tell you something very interesting when did prophecy stop amongst the jewish people when at some point we had prophets you would walk the streets of Yerushalayim You would see prophets walking around When was the last time, the last period of prophets In Am Yisrael At that time When they got rid of Avodah Zarah There were no more prophecy Which seems to be The opposite You would think if they got rid of idol worship should be more prophets Why are we getting less prophets? The answer is very important. When these great men abolished idol worship it was a huge sacrifice spiritually for the Jewish people. People think, oh wow, what a great item. They got rid of idol worship. Beautiful. No, no, that wasn't so beautiful. It was a huge sacrifice. What was the sacrifice? Remember, the Creator doesn't Choose for us. He only gives us the ability and the energy to make a good choice. Idol worship for Hashem to say you don't desire idols anymore. That would be considered Hashem getting involved in your free choice. Hashem doesn't get involved in your free choice. He will not say You'll desire, you'll no longer desire Abu Dazara. Can't do that. Not within what he does. What does Hashem do? He gives every person an energy that desires spirituality. Now, when you desire spirituality, now you have free choice. You can either direct it to the right place. You can go to Hashem. Or you could direct it to other kinds of spirituality. Like today, people also have spirituality. They direct it to art. Or direct it to all types of spirituality. They, they, they serve nature. They serve... You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm They have all kinds... Where does that come from? Come from a spirit... There is a spiritual energy, a craving, a desire for spirituality that God planted in every person. Some have more, some have less. In those days, they had a huge amount of desire for spirituality. That desire could take them to become prophets. That's how strong the energy was. But now, the same time, That same energy, if you don't use it, you'll end up serving idols. But it was a great energy of desiring spirituality. When the Ansheh abolished idol worship, it's not what it sounds like. They said no more desire for idol worship. They can't do that. What do they do? They lowered the level of hunger for spirituality. It was a big sacrifice. We lost all our profits, but that was the sacrifice because they felt too many people are getting lost to idol worship. They gave up spiritual heights for spiritual lowness. People know idol worship is wrong, but when you desire something very badly, how many things in your life you know is wrong, but you desire it, and you just. Whether the desire comes from yourself or desire for honor or the desire to fit in or the desire for whatever. How many things do you know for a fact are wrong? You know for a fact they're wrong. But your desires are too much. You can't beat your desires. They would laugh at you today. That generation would laugh at you. They say, what do you guys desire? Rib jeans? They desire to rip their jeans because they saw people in Paris ripping their jeans. So they desire to when they go shopping. They make sure to rip their jeans too. And they make sure to wear the same outfit as some loser somewhere in Europe. Today's, today's desires are are very low. They're not in those days, they were sophisticated desires. It was a desire of spirituality. It was about meaning. It was about making something of yourself just in the wrong place. That was idol worship. Idol worship was a sophisticated society in spirituality. Today, people are falling to what? To what? Nothing, stupidity. It's not the ad that people don't even have desires for anything. They just live like animals. They live like monkeys. They don't even think. In those days, their desires involved thinking. It involved sacrifice. It involved giving up of themselves. That's the society we live in today. So therefore, in those days when they abolished idol worship, it was a major sacrifice that we lost our spiritual hunger. Today we have also spiritual hunger but not the same that it used to be. So you have to know in those days, when we speak about those generations, you have to know not to compare yourself to them because their world was different. And don't assume because they worshipped idols, that means you're better than them. You're not better than them. The Gemara says, that one time a great rabbi in the Gemara was talking about the king Menasheh. Menasheh was a one of the worst kings that we had. Idol worship on a very high level, and the Gemara was talking about how this. What happened to this guy? Menashe talking about all the terrible things he did. The Gemara said that Menashe came to him in a dream and told him, "Listen to me." He says, "I give you my word. If you were living in my time, you would have pulled your pants up and ran full speed." You put on your shorts to run towards the idol worship. Don't don't get so excited when you when you hear about me say how is Menasheh doing that? Of course, again, he's responsible. He did a very bad thing, but don't compare yourself. Don't say if Menasheh worshipped idols, so I'm better than Menasheh. You're better than Menasheh. Relax. Menasheh kept Shabbat. Menasheh kept Kashrut. For a lot of people. Not sure how confident they can be. Just in that alone. And many more things. So, Therefore, we have to be careful. When we talk about the generation of Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu saw in his generation not Hilul Shabbat. Not Kashrut. He didn't see people not learning Torah. He didn't see that. He saw people that were not thinking. And because they were not thinking their observance of mitzvot was on autopilot. Imagine I came to a shul and the only thing I could talk about them to give them musar is how they do all the mitzvot but out of habit. Could you imagine we spoke to the people and we couldn't find anything wrong they were doing. The only thing they're doing wrong is that when they pray and do mitzvot and everything, but their heart is not fully into it. That means you'd be talking to a group of tzaddikim that you can't find an Averah. The Gemara says that in the time of the destruction, they looked around. Listen I'm just to give you an explanation. In the time of the destruction, listen good. The Gemara says in the time of the destruction, the Nebi'im were looking around and they couldn't understand why this would happen to the Jewish people. Do you understand what kind of generation you have to live in? That when something wrong happens, you can't understand why it happened. For example, if God forbid something went wrong today, yes? Yes? How many things you think we could point to that maybe that's the reason? How many? Today you have a menu of pages. If something goes wrong, you say, Oh, maybe it's this one? You have like a like a book with Aleph bet to all the options. Oh, maybe it's Kashrut. Maybe it's Sunyot. Maybe it's Shabbat. Maybe you're not learning Torah. Maybe it's Hilot. Maybe Lashonara. Maybe the Hinuch. Maybe the... Now, any options you would have today, God forbid. They don't have to be a big rabbi either. Simple person. A big tragedy, God forbid, hits the community. How many reasons could you think of? Now, you may not know which is the reason. But at least, on the menu, how many things could you think of that might be that one? You'd have pages. Pages. In the time of the destruction of the Beit Dash, the prophets, not the simple people, the prophets couldn't identify what could be the problem. Do you understand what kind of generation that is? That you can't identify what they did wrong... That this might have happened to them. Do you understand what the streets look like? If people didn't pray every day, isn't that a simple reason? If people didn't keep Shabbat, isn't that an obvious reason? If people didn't do... Well, don't they know? That means when they looked at the streets, and they looked at the people, it looked fine. It looked great. They didn't see a problem. That's the kind of generation they lived in. Miwa so, Navi with his spiritual 2020 vision was very upset with these people what was he upset what did he find he found people who weren't thinking people who went about their mitzvah observance in rote in habit every morning they woke up and they prayed but it was not a prayer from the heart it was a prayer that they've been praying for 30 years. Their observance was lacking thinking. But they were observant. But they weren't into it. That was his complaint. A bottom line, Yirmiyahu al-Nabi, his complaint was exactly an our subject. That they were not careful in their zehirut. They were not thinking they were doing things wrong because they weren't thinking. By the way, that's a very good piece of information to take home with us. Very open, you see people do wrong. Sometimes in your own family. Sometimes your own children. People around you, they're doing wrong things. So automatically our mind thinks that they want to do wrong. Why else would they do wrong? They know it's wrong. We know it's wrong, and they still do it. Must be, they want to do wrong. When we look at people that way, we lose all ability to help them. You have to know that most people, 99% I would say, percent or more of people, when they do wrong, it's not because they want to do wrong. And even if they talk that way, it's not because of that. It's simply because they're not thinking. They're not contemplating what they're doing. They're going through life without taking the time to think. And since they don't think, that's why they end up in the worst places. And even talking about it. But they're not really that person. Don't be misled by the people doing wrong and assuming they want to do wrong. Your the nabi is here uncovering. Why does a Jew do wrong? You know why? Because he's not thinking That's why he's doing wrong. He's not thinking. Anything in your life you were doing wrong because you're not thinking. Because you're going through life and you're running from thing to thing. And you're not focused on what you should be doing. And therefore you end up in the wrong places. A very important piece of information. Now by the way, just to end off for today. Just want to make sure it's important to understand this. So, Okay. That means I got to think. You know how long an average person could think before he loses his focus? How long? If I tell you guys, go home today, start thinking about your life. Yeah, We've been talking about this for three months. It is my opinion that not one listener here has thought about anything we said for three months. That's what I believe. I believe nobody was capable Of going for a walk for five minutes and thinking about their life and assessing where and what they have to change. I'm very confident in that. From your faces I see that I was right. You know why? Because we're not capable. That's why we're not capable of thinking. We're not used to thinking. We're used to be spectators. We like to watch things. We like to watch things happen. We like to be observers of things going on. Sometimes as we're observing, we react. We don't think too much. And therefore, to tell a person to think today is a waste of time. So why we learned this for three months. I'm going to tell you a very simple point, And with this, we end for today. It is for this reason, Rabotai, it is for this reason that a person today, always, but especially today, has to spend Time every day learning Torah. There's no other way. Why? Because when you learn Torah, you're forcing yourself to think. And once you start thinking, all of a sudden, other thoughts that are also important come into your life. To tell a person to go outside and sit in his backyard and to think for a couple of minutes about his life although it's a beautiful thing to do it's worthless because he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He goes outside. The first thing he does is realize he can't think about anything and he starts doing other things. He can't. We, we don't have that ability. What's the only way to get someone to actually think today? If you start turning on your mind you know your mind's like a machine. If the machine is off, to start thinking in your backyard or while you're walking the streets, it's not going to work. But if you turn on the machine because you start learning, now when you're learning, what are you doing? You're bringing out thoughts of Torah and Emet. Once you start the machine rolling, all of a sudden, without realizing it, you think about Shabbat. You think about your life, you think about your children, you think about your future, you think about the way you talk, you think about the way you dress, you think about. That's what happens. When a person commits themselves to learning Torah, their entire person changes. Even if he's not learning about everything, he's learning about a halacha in Shabbat. We're learning in the morning about Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin doesn't have a lot of application to our life every day. But a guy could be learning Sanhedrin every morning and really committed to it. And all of a sudden you'll see that they're thinking about the hinukh of their children. And they're thinking about how they should have a better marriage than they do. And they think about their... How? What happened to you? What happened is this. What happened is, when you activate your mind to think, thoughts of emet, automatically it's going to carry over thinking about other aspects in your life. And that is why when we talk about Zehirut, we must remember Zehirut in our time means you got to sit and learn. And you got to commit yourself to learning. And you got to do Hazara, you got to review. You got to go to Shiurim. You have to go to classes. And you have to be involved in learning Torah. When you're involved in learning Torah your mind turns on and your thoughts start to think about Many important things of Emet. the Navi's complaint about the generation, he wasn't telling them what they did wrong. he was telling them why they did wrong. You see, it's very easy to tell a person what they're doing wrong. but usually it doesn't help them. It would be great. that was the prophets. they showed them why they did wrong. He was able to locate the problem. Today's problem, With anyone is they're not learning. If you see someone who's not doing right, who's not doing way they, who's not living life the way they're supposed to, it's because they're not learning. That's it. That's a simple reason. That is the cause of all issues. If you're learning, if your kids are learning, they're going to be in a great place. If they're not learning, you could talk a million miles per hour about all the different problems in life, not going to help. Because if you're not learning, in today's world, you're not learning, you're not thinking. And if you're not thinking, you're going through life with blindfolds on. Have a wonderful day.